Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel to tell tales from games, books, and life. And welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. I am your host, Jay Sticky. So much for stopping by for this latest game chat. Uh, you know I had to do it, people. Everybody knows who is a fan of the One Stop Co-op Shop that I am a fan of Pandemic. Look over my left shoulder as I record the video. We got Pandemic flowing out of everywhere that you can have Pandemic flowing out. Uh, so we get a pandemic, we get a new pandemic basically every year, and this year was no different. And, you know, like as usual, we get it, we get the announcement, and then a month later, boom, <laughs> it is on the table. Uh, this latest pandemic that I want to talk about was Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Uh, and we have a playthrough in the One Stop Co-op Shop uh, by Colin that is extremely popular. Holy moly, that thing is exploding in views because uh, it was one of the first ones. And Colin was very excited to get it to the table. We're very excited to talk about it. So as a pandemic fan, I wanted to reach out to the designer, the primary designer, not Matt Leacock. It is Matt Leacock's basic design. And he, I, I spoke with Matt about this. He's like the quote unquote executive producer. <laughs> he gets to talk about this stuff. But the lead, the game designer in-house at Z-Man at the time that, uh, took over uh, Matt's baby and said, oh, wow, th uh, this person's doing a really great job of my IP, so I had to talk to him. His name is Alexander Ortloff. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So, uh, Pandemic. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about Pandemic in just a second, but I do want to get to uh, have the people get to know you a little bit. Uh, so, you... You were at Z-Man uh, as their primary game designer. You had risen from the ranks of game developer, and uh, now, you, now you're Fantasy Flight. Uh, yep. doing a similar job but just tell us about tell the people about yourself uh how you got into gaming and how you got into the pandemic system which is what i care about the most <laughs> uh sure so my i my first sort of step into the industry was actually taking an internship at, at fantasy flight this would have been 2014 i think mm -hmm. uh and then i just kind of refused to leave minnesota after after the internship ended uh and sort of bounced around and eventually i got lucky enough to uh, land a job doing development at Windrider Games, which mm. at the time was, you know, three of us uh, spun off of FFG and was trying to do sort of a different style game. Um, there FFG are a lot of people that, because I've you know, been following for a little while, but there's a lot of people who like may not know this, all these labels, Windrider, da, 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 da. Uh, Windrider was going to be, going to be the, I guess, Euro imprint or uh, it, like that that style of game. So like FFG does big honking adventure games, but you want to diversify. And at the time it was like, okay, let's make a new label. Let's make a new house for this at Windrider. And Windrider is one of those things that not a lot of people have heard of. It was kind yeah. of a, a, a very short chapter in the history of gaming. It was, yeah. I mean, we, we uh, had a few releases as Windrider, uh, but then we essentially merged with Z-Man Games and suddenly I was a, a Z-Man Games employee. Uh, and did that for about five years uh, altogether, uh, doing a lot of development. And then we sort of got to uh, dip our toes into doing sort of in-house design. And that's where things like Clone Wars came from. Mm -hmm. And Pandemic. So you got sucked into Z-Man. Is it one of those things where it's like, all right, I'm in Z-Man. That's one of the things they do. Uh, Kadam, Pandemic, and uh, Agricola. You know, that, that's part of the canon. Or was there kind of a, um, a special draw? there for you for the pandemic system a bit of both yeah i mean i was i was a fan of pan i mean i i knew pandemic uh really well at that point 
Um, but there was something kind of surprising and amazing of like, you, you don't, you don't start at a different company assuming you're going to be working on pandemic someday, right? Like that just doesn't, that's not a thing that happens. Uh, and so the, you know, the day you find out that, oh, you're going to be working on this huge, you know, renowned game line. It's like, oh, oh, it, it, it's serious business now. <laughs> uh, and okay. So uh, I guess what draws you to the pandemic and I'm going to call it the pandemic system. Cause at this point, that's what like the, the, the brand is. Yeah. They, they, at some point, I think exactly what it, where it started, but like uh, they realized uh, someone up in the muckety mucks realized, okay, we're going to be doing this pandemic thing for a long time. And we, you know, we need to kind of uh, open up, open things up a little bit. So it got rebranded as the pandemic system. And I think that's probably a more accurate way to do it because I think of pandemic as a system. You know, there's well, the base game that you can play, but like I think of it as a, a, a an engine upon which you can build all this other stuff. So, like, I mean, tell me a little bit more about your engagement with that particular system. Well, and it, it also draws an important distinction too, right, between pandemic and its expansions, and then these sort of uh, evolutions on pandemic or, or different expressions of that system. Um, but I I'm a big fan of co-op games in general. You know, I when push comes to shove, I'd rather be working with the people at the table than against them. Most of the time, sometimes you, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. You're in the right um, place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I loved that aspect of it. It was also some of the first co-op design I got to do, uh, which was, you know, a bit of jumping into the deep end, but uh, it's a really versatile and, and sort of robust system. And it's so clever. Like just what Matt made was, you know, it's lived and lasted this long because it's just really solid. And it's mm -hmm. got a lot of places where, you know, it's just abstract enough that you can find places to tweak and repurpose and f make it feel very different while still evoking that kind of pandemic feeling that people are looking for. Uh, and it's it's a fun system to just kind of play around in and, and see how you can adapt it and what things you can do differently and what what really should stay the same. So the pandemic system got through a bunch of reiterations and Matt Leacock was directly involved in the historical pandemic. So like I got Rising Tide and I got Iberia and those are direct co-designs with local publisher, with local people, local designers uh, from whatever area. So, you know, Italian designer Paolo Mori helped him with the uh, fall of Rome. Uh, and this was like very direct and you could tell the games are really, really different. Uh, but at some point, I mean, I, I know you probably won't be able to comment on this, but I think it's like, okay, what am I going to sell more games with? Fall of Rome or Star Wars? <laughs> so it's like, I can see from a business perspective, like, okay, let's, let, we have these IPs. Let's kind of make the transition to like talk about these IPs. So I'm going to get the somewhat difficult question out of the way first, and then we can go on to geeking out about pandemic. So I definitely hear the reaction, the instinctual reaction of like, okay, another pandemic game. Uh, so I guess what would be your response to the idea that like, okay, here comes another pandemic game, one per year, they're uh, money grab, cash grab, so to speak, right? Yeah, I've seen that phrase thrown around a lot. <laughs> uh, it, it, that would be probably be the, the biggest uh, single criticism of a continuation of the line like this would be, okay, they're just, they're just grabbing money. So, I mean, I clearly don't agree because the, the, these games all have a life, but I just want to hear from your perspective as someone who is, you know, this is your name on the box now. Uh, how you what what your reaction is to some of that stuff? So I think we were, you know, we we were aware of that sort of sense that you get from from some people, but we always approach them as, you know, we want to make this game, we want to make it the best version of that game, 
I'd spent, you know, two solid years working on that game. Uh, so it certainly didn't feel like a, a money grab to me in terms you of mean, you mean effort Cold to, yeah. So two years of development, two years of development, I went into Cold War. Well, and, and, and you know, the, the production side of it too, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot more to that process. But yeah, I mean, I started sort of in earnest on Clone Wars right around February 2020, like right around when we all went to work from home because we didn't know, you know, what was going on. Right. Um, and was working on it. And I, I when I left Z-Man in October of last year, I, I sort of finished my part of of the game and then and then left. So I was working on it basically through that whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of approached it, you know, from the start, we knew that or sort of we had decided that we didn't want to do a reskin. Uh, no disrespect to reskins, they have their place, but we sort of knew going in that like we didn't want to just take uh, the pandemic mechanics and put Star Wars names and faces on it. Um, partly because that was just less fun for me, right? Like it's more interesting to, to do the puzzle of, of designing this thing and making it sort of really shine and evoke, evoke that IP. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew going in that we didn't want to do sort of the, the easy thing. Uh, and so we didn't basically, this, this game was a whole hell of a lot of work for a lot of people. Um, so it, you know, People will say what they say, but uh, right. a lot of people put a lot of work into into this game, and I'm really, really proud of how it turned out. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's like I don't know cars. You know, like you know, how many cars are like truly like reskins of other cars, and like, oh, or uh, I mean, I don't. know. It, it's it's difficult for me because I guess like there's some franchises like you think of uh, the video game franchise, like Madden or, or something like that. It's like, oh, this is just a reskin of this. They're releasing it every year. I can definitely tell when it comes to at least this particular IP, the pandemic system, which is why I keep on buying them, that there is love in all these games. That that there is effort put in to find the soul of whatever I, of whatever theme. And that's what, that's the secret of it, right? It's like to, you have your system, but then, you know, it, deconstructing what makes the IP um, attractive and then injecting that into the system. Yeah. So, uh, and that's that's kind of how I feel. Um, so, um, it's, it's, it's it's difficult because like you're also the lead designer on the game that's right behind uh, my shelf, but I don't want to you know go into that. Uh, but like, so so let's let's just kind of stay with Star Wars. Um, don't want to talk about like kind of your interface with the actual company, but like just in house. You know, mm-hmm. is there what was the process of like who's a Star Wars geek? <laughs> was that was that kind of a thing of like, okay, we're making Star Wars, who's a geek? And let's let's start with this. Or was there like an education process? So it's like, okay, maybe we don't know it. We have to go back into the lore, all that kind of stuff. How did that all, how did the theme research, at least on the in-house side, come together for you for your for you? I mean, in some ways we were a little lucky because sort of the whole the whole dev name team knew some, right? Like I was I've been a Star Wars fan forever. And I mean the, the whole dev team was four people too, right? Mm-hmm. It was myself, it was our producer, Michael Sanfilippo, it was our managing game designer, uh, Todd Mikulich, and then our game director, Justin Kempinen. But like that was the whole dev team for Z-Man. And luckily we all liked Star Wars. Um, so going into it, you know, we had that, that basis at least. Uh, and then of course, the first thing I did as soon as I jumped into this in earnest was went back and watched the entirety of the Clone Wars series 
which the timing actually was very good because season seven of the Clone Wars came out basically just as I was starting this project. So we yeah. got that extra sort of injection of lore and, and flavor to, to draw from. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, we were fans first and that was part of the excitement to make the game in the first place. It's just that we were, you know, excited to play in that IP to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, just kept brushing up, did a, a bunch of reading, rewatching, re-rewatching, and just making sure that I felt like I knew what I was talking about. Because at the end of the day, if I don't know what I'm talking about, that's that's going to come through, uh, right. right? Like you're, if you're making a game for Star Wars fans, you want to make sure you get the details right. And, and that like those details really excite a lot of people. So like mm -hmm. even little things, like when we made the missions, the missions were named after Clone Wars episodes. And just like, you know, most people won't notice or care, but you hope that like the person who does notice, like, oh, I remember that episode. Like I remember that arc and it, you know, it brings back all those memories. When Colin um, did his playthrough, there was a lot of like voice acting, terrible voice acting. There was a lot of like calls back, like, oh, I remember this. And <laughs> so, yep. full disclosure of people, I am not a Star Wars person. I can honestly say, uh, like with the previous one, I was like peeking out, but then this one, it's like, okay, Star Wars. <laughs> so I, I had to backfill a little bit of Clone Wars knowledge. Uh, so yeah, okay. So without the knowledge, and so that, that's just gonna be a little bit of an abstract question for me, um, but I have seen other people comment on this particular aspect, which is, was it, is there a one-to-one -one in terms of like what the pandemic system says and what the Clone Wars quote unquote says? So I'll, I'll say it this way. So when I, I talk with Matt and Rob about um, uh, Legacy season one, and they're like Avengers, you are the Avengers, you are heroes, and you're going around the world, you're getting stuff, and you're defeating whatever it is, like you're curing diseases. So we want the feel of the Avengers. And so it's a very heroic system. It is. Uh, and like, there is a point where you defeat whatever it is, the bad guy, by the, 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 your sets and all kind of thing. Did you feel like that folded into what the Clone Wars does, where it's not necessarily like your heroes, but like you're more kind of like scrappy rebels? type and it isn't so much like okay we're like you know superheroes or whatever so I, I know i'm being a little bit abstract with the question but i wanted to just kind of say okay were there parts of the clone wars motif that just didn't fit the pandemic system uh, and how did you experience that whole that translation so i, I don't think there was anything that that fundamentally didn't fit right okay. like we and part of the reason that we picked the, the Clone Wars specifically out of the whole, you know, Star Wars galaxy was because it had so many of those kind of high level touch points that you want to, to match when you're, you know, adapting a game system. So like, um, you know, the main characters, you've got a whole cast of Jedi in this era, right? It's not necessarily just those, those scrappy fighters who, you know, people still love, but like, we've got a bunch of really powerful protagonists at this point. Mm. So like, that was a really good fit because we know that we're going to have characters who have special powers and have a sort of really big impact on the galaxy. So um, you were able as a dev team to kind of pick where you wanted to play? Like you weren't given the directive Clone Wars? Like it was just like, okay, what, what fits Star Wars? I didn't uh, say too much about that, but like, uh, you know, that, that does seem to indicate that like, okay, you guys had a choice. And it's like, that's actually matters. That you uh, had I, I can't say too much about it, like you said, but uh, I can say Clone Wars was our, our sort of front runner for... Yeah for a setting just okay. because i think there were a lot of a lot of touch points that really felt like they fit Good. and you know it also had 
you know, bookended by two movies, seven seasons of a show. It just had a lot of pretty granular story and characters to draw from too, uh, which is really great when you're trying to adapt this because you're always looking for like, what, what can this be in this other context? And when you have a lot of things to choose from, it makes it a lot easier to, to make those connections and make it more resonant. Excellent. Uh, so uh, having played the game and I, I again, it's, 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 it's pandemic. You, you're going to get me on pandemic every single time. Uh, and what I look for is, you know, just like what, what pops mechanically, what's unique mechanically with it. And I, I, I can honestly say like with all the pandemics that I've played, I can look at there's a certain mechanism that's like, oh, wow, that's great. So like Fall of Rome, it was a troop movement. Uh, for, you know, Wrath of Lich King, it was like, okay, it's big explosions of like killing zombies, like 10 at a turn or whatever it is, making that happen. Uh, for, you know, Legacy, it's <laughs> uh, and, and, and all the other different things. So for me, the, the best part of Clone Wars was the hand management. And like, it wasn't just Jedi. Like you have a squad and you were able to evoke the sense of squad in, in, you know, in your play. And, and, and so talk a little bit about like how that had all, how that all came together. Yeah. So, well, we knew, you know, immediately that the clones were a big part of the Clone Wars. Uh, and so actually from, from my mind, the first place I started thinking about the design was uh, actually from Fall of Rome. Cause like there was that precedent for like, all right, I am me. I am surrounded by this, you know, army of characters. I lead them around. We we uh, battle it out and what have you. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing we realized pretty early on uh, was that abstract, like these are my clones, really didn't feel right because they're not just you know faceless clones. So much of of that series and the stories that are told in that era are about this clone. You know, you've got Rex and Cody and Fives and all these characters that. As a viewer, I grew to like just as much as, as the Jedi protagonists. And so it was important to me that they appeared and that they had an impact and stuff. So we made this decision to move, uh, move to a card, the, the card system rather than just the, the location-based system that the Fall of Rome did. Um, having each card be its own you know, character that someone loves or, or vehicle that you know, someone remembers from that scene. Um, and it ended up sort of evoking, like you said, you know, you had your squad. Um, but the other, the other side of that, the, the sort of exhaust mechanic really just came out of the fact that, you know, in, in most other pandemic games, to use a card, you have to, to discard it to use its effect. Mm -hmm. And early on, that was how it worked. Um, but we realized that I don't want to discard Rex ever. Uh, <laughs> like you, you didn't want to break up your squad He's in order fine. to use their ability. Uh, you know, I mean, we still have people who are like, I'm not, I'm not going to risk this character being discarded. I'm sorry. I'm playing a little bit wrong here, but he's, mm -hmm. he's my best friend. I can't let that happen. Um, but the, honestly, the whole exhausting uh, and readying mechanic came from that idea of I want to make a squad of characters that I, I know I'm attached to and I don't want anything bad to happen to them. And discarding just was sort of the antithesis of that. Like you, I don't want to give up my favorite guy. I want to keep them around. I want to, you know, make it work. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's honestly how we got to that point was just people got attached to the characters and that, that's what you want too, right? Like we want to evoke that, that, uh, friendship camaraderie and even just that the notion from 
from the series that like all the bad guys see them as faceless numbered clones and all yeah. the, I guess most of the good guys see them as people. Um, and that was, yeah, that was just something we, we really wanted to get right. And that's where a lot of that hand management aspect came from. And it's what I talk about in terms of like, what, so when someone says, oh, well, another pandemic, I'm like, okay, I always pause like, okay, what's the theme? And what is the, like, what, what do I like about the theme or something like that? And then does the pandemic system, did you use the pandemic system to kind of leverage it to evoke certain things about a theme? And I can honestly say, like, I mean, that's, that is the thing that drew me to the Clone Wars. When I saw a cons video, eventually got it to, you know, the table myself, that, that sense of like, okay, I have my squad and I could lose my squad because of certain, you know, sacrifice actions or whatever it is, but, you know, I get invested in the characters and I'm not quite as powerful. Like, I mean, I don't feel as powerful as I do maybe in some of the other ones, uh, but the fact that I have these people, that that's where my power comes from. And that was very, very evocative. That was cool. Um, what other aspects were you very excited about in terms of realizing the theme in the new system? I, I think maybe the other biggest one, or at least most obvious one, was the the villains in the game. Um, essentially, having those main antagonists that you were playing against, A, it is a cool angle for replayability, right? It adds more variety to the game. Um, but also just in Star Wars in general, you connect to the villains. You, you might not like them, you might hate them, but they're they're evocative, right? They're they're larger than life. Uh, you know, Maul is as much the face of every story he's in as any of the main characters are. Um, and so we really like that idea of all right, now you're facing off against this character, this game. Uh, and we wanted that to affect how the game played too, right? We didn't just want it to be, you know, one figure running around, but otherwise it's the same game. Um, and so the whole villain deck system came out of just wanting to give each villain their own identity and really make the game, like evoke the conflicts that you got in the stories about those villains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, heroes and villains. So <laughs> that's what it's all about here in the pandemic system. Uh, so, I mean, really, I think like Star Wars or Clone Wars is, I mean, it's a, if you like pandemic, it is another thing. If you like Star Wars, it's another thing. And I remember talking uh, with, I forget who it was about it, but, you know, someone connected a project and they were saying like, look, you know, it, this isn't necessarily going to be the game for pandemic players. Like if you're a pandemic player, you're good with pandemic. But like, if you're a Star Wars fan and you want a different experience, you want to, you want to look at it from a different angle. And there's way more Star Wars fans than pandemic fans. Let's just be honest, you know, out there. So it's like, if someone's walking around Target, they're seeing another Star Wars game. And this is another version of that. So, you know, for those of us who are pandemic geeks, it's like, okay, how much does that, does that have to offer? Plus or minus, depending on whatever. But for a Star Wars fan, Right. You know, so like I, I think, you know, talk about that aspect a little bit, you know, it, it, were you conscious of audience? Was this game designed like with like here, Star Wars fan, have some chum and have some delicious pandemic flavored chum. Is that one of the approaches that you had? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's true of I think it's always valuable to think about who the audience is when you're designing a game because it, it helps you get those details. Right. Like I said, like the, the missions that are named after episodes, which allies or which which uh clones that we decided to include which vehicles things like that like you know we all have our personal favorites but at the end of the day they're characters that you can sort of count on that the audience you like you know they love right hondo was a great example of that like there was no chance hondo wasn't going to be in this game because he's 
you know, the greatest swashbuckling, good guy, bad guy, weird sure. guy, he's wonderful. And, and so we, we try to really be aware of that and make sure that those things that we could count on the audience really appreciating made their way in in some form or another. And so is there anything else that we need to talk about or that you wanted to talk about in terms of the, the specific project of uh, the Clone Wars? Oh gosh, that's that's an open question. Um, sure is. Although, uh, if you don't have any immediate answer, that's fine. I just like I like to throw that one out there in case there's like something burning in the front of your brain. Let's talk about this. Uh you know, nothing's burning right now. I, I gotta no, say, we cover uh, heroes and villains. It's all that's what it's all about. We cover the heroes and the villains, and you know some of the uh, the broader stuff with pandemic. So that's great. I guess uh, I, I will say. Uh, it's a very minor thing, but it's something that I'm I'm happy sort of came out of the design process of this game is we sort of accidentally made setup simpler than a lot of other pandemic games. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've been looking at, you know, that same evolution of like, all right, your your deck is your your squad, right? Your your the people who are in your squad or the vehicles or whatever. Um, and we realized that if you're not uh, you know, you don't want to be just discarding them to hand size, right? Like in every pandemic game, you draw two cards after you've done all your actions and that builds up your hand. Well, if you're doing well in this game, we didn't want you to just be, you know, discarding two of these cool clones every turn. Um, and so we're like, all right, what if you don't discard at, or if you don't draw at the end of mm. your turn? Like, what does that mean? And it's, it's a little weird because a lot of the central interaction of every pandemic game is I draw the epidemic. Oh no, that's bad. Um, and so we're like, all right, what, what happens if you don't draw? Well, maybe drawing is an action now. That's something that you kind of can't do in other pandemic games right. because it's a high risk. You don't want to necessarily be digging through that deck. So like we suddenly opened yeah. up this design space of you can you can draw cards whenever you want. Well, I- so the reason why uh, just this gets into a little bit of nuts and bolts here. Uh, so the reason why that it's difficult in a normal game pandemic to draw cards is because that's your timer, mm-hmm. right? And you don't want to deplete your timer. So talk a little bit about what you did to dislocate the timer and free up that deck to you know be able to draw. So that that really came out of of this same question of like people were when they were doing well they were discarding clones and that felt bad, and we we're like all right well that's that's a problem like it, it can't be that way. The reason that you can't, you know, mess with drawing in some other way is because those epidemics are in the deck. Mm-hmm. Can those go somewhere else? Mm. Um, and it sort of just happened to work out when I was going down that path of like, we had this other deck sort of purely from another side of the design process, this villain deck had come to be because I wanted the villain to be able to do, you know, something characteristically villainous. Uh, and I just kind of realized that we can just put it in there instead. And suddenly this player deck or the squad deck is fair game. You can kind of do whatever you want with it at that point. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to seed it during setup. You just shuffle it up and you're ready to go because the villain deck is running that, that same timer function that it would have been otherwise. Um, and that was a really cool sort of, uh, not accident, but it, it worked out because we had these two different things that we were working on at the same time that kind of just met up together and worked out. Um, but I was really happy about that. Cause like I said, those are the two kind of main big things, standouts that are different in this pandemic. Obviously there are, there are other things as well, but 
how the cards play and how the villains work are two really high level differences. And they kind of had this cool synergy un under, under, the, under the hood that changed how the game ran. But at the end of the day, it, it still feels like the pandemic cadence, right? Like you're still drawing something after you've done good things. Yep. And maybe it does the same kind of thing, but just the way we get there is a little bit different and, and uses some other pieces. You're still populating the board with like it, you know. Um, I think it's like little clone things and no, the uh, droids. The droids, yeah, still uh, doing with droids. You're, you're still doing basic pandemic things, but like, I, I love, I love how you're able to just move a little thing, right? And you know, the decks are really close together, so it's like I'm just gonna move this to here, and it just opens up a whole new. I call it like geometry of the game. So like you know, like changing the geometry of the game with a with, you know, having a small bit do a big change. And I think that's one of the benefits of the pandemic system because it's so tight. Mm -hmm. It's such a it's it's such a tight system that like, you know, changing one thing will have this butterfly effect of changing seven things. And if you're able to kind of rope those seven things together, oh <laughs> and it feels good when you get to do it. I will say that the process of getting to that point can be a little stressful because you've changed this one thing and then you realize, oh no, I've changed these other seven things. Yeah. I need to figure that out. But yeah, when it when it works out, it it and especially in this one, I think it it came together in a really sort of satisfying way from a design standpoint uh, that I'm really proud of. Well, I happen to know, because uh, this, this conversation actually came out of a, a private conversation I was having with uh, Matt Leacock, where he was like, just like super excited that you were at the helm for the last few and very excited about what you were doing with his baby. So, you know, uh, stand for approval there. <laughs> that's very kind of him. I'm, I'm uh, thrilled to hear that. No, it, it, he was very excited, you know, and that, that that's that's cool that like the grandfather of something is like, okay, my baby's getting taken care of. Uh, but since you have moved on from Z-Man and you've uh, taken a similar position at Fantasy Flight, uh, you know, not not dissimilar, but now we are on to bigger and better things. So I always ask this question. I never get an answer that I want, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, um, okay, I'll ask it this way. What are you excited to talk about that you're, now that you've kind of moved on to a different project, what are you excited, what are you able to talk about that you'd like to share? Well, I, as you might expect, I can't, I can't say anything about what I'm working on. Um, but I will say just from a sort of uh, career perspective and the sort of types of experiences I'm getting to work on. Um, it's been a really interesting jump moving from Z-Man to FFG because they do work on such uh, different styles of games at time, right? Like FFG has a whole lot of Star Wars games, but none of them feel like Clone Wars yeah. does, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a really interesting opportunity for me just to be able to work on a, work on a style of game that I haven't really gotten to work on in the past five years. Uh, and I wish I could say what any of those projects are, but we'll have to wait and see. But it's big and it, it's venturous and chances are it's co-op and it's minis and we know Fantasy Flight. We know what's going on. No comment. <laughs> Uh, but we are very excited, um, very happy that you've been able to kind of put in your spin on a couple things, and it's been the the baton has been handed off. I know we're getting more pandemic uh, from from Z Man, and uh, more stuff is coming from you and from FFG. So we're very very excited about the future. Um, so uh, Alexander Orloff, thank you so much. Uh, can we? Uh, where can the people contact you? Uh, contact me. So uh, I have a personal website that's just alexortloff.com where you can just sort of see stuff I've worked on and I believe I've got contact there. Uh, otherwise, I'm on Twitter uh, at Alex with an A. Uh, and that's, that's most of it. I try to keep it simple.
That's it. Keep it simple. That's all you got to do. Uh, so hit this man up, tag him if you're enjoying it. Uh, I always, uh, you know, this is kind of an underrated thing. So, uh, you know, you take a picture of your game and I've seen people take pictures of Clone Wars, right? Uh, and, you know, they'll post on Instagram on Twitter, tag the designer. <laughs> it's always cool to see, you know, sometimes designer, you stumble across people. it, even if you don't get tagged and it's just like, oh, Oh, that thing I worked on in secret for two years is yeah. out in the world. It's it's still and surreal. people are smiling, having fun. It's you're not going to bother these people. <laughs> this is actually the it's the opposite of bothering people, and it is not like clout chasing or anything. It is cool. So if someone's working on something, uh, then tag the designer. It is this this not descend from the heavens from Z Man Games. This came from a dev team for crying out loud. People who who watched Clone Wars for you. <laughs> And it's it yeah it is it is always great to see I'm I'm the weirdo too who ended up like loitering by our booths at every convention just to see people you know finally play the game that we made just because it's yeah it's cool to see especially when there's so much uh, you know lead time and I I haven't worked on this game now for for quite a while and so coming back to it and finally seeing audience reactions is just always awesome. Alex Hartloff, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. If you can change your mind, you can change the world, people. So until next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another top five list.